As a community, First Baptist Felton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sundays at one of our worship services at 8.30 or 11 a.m. and for Bible study at 9.45 a.m. We hope today's message encourages and strengthens your faith in God. I have a couple of statements to share with you this morning uh, before I preach. And uh, the first is concerning the hilltop and the second is concerning parking. Uh, Not unrelated issues on my dad first about the hilltop faithful god faithful future our move to the hilltop as of last sunday morning we have received or had pledged 12.9 million dollars in order to break ground on the plan that has been adopted by the church we believe we need approximately 25 million dollars and so we are a little bit over halfway to that goal. Even then, we'll have to borrow some money, which we do not want to do, wish we didn't have to do, but it is what it is because we have a $32 million project, and even if all of it were pledged by this afternoon, it won't all come in this afternoon. It will be over a five-year period, and so some loan will be necessary during that time. We praise the Lord for $12.9 million, way above anything the church has ever done in its history. But we must consider options given where we are. And so the elders, the Hilltop Steering Team, and the Property Management Committee are prayerfully and thoroughly looking at all possibilities except for one. The one possibility they are not looking at is doing nothing. That possibility is not a possibility. So we will come back to you for a decision when one must be made, and we're ready to do that. We just wanted you to know we're working. We haven't said much in several weeks, and we didn't want you to think we're twiddling our thumbs. Meanwhile, pray and continue to give and continue to pledge. You remember that our goal is Sunday on the hilltop. We are moving to the hilltop. The property in which you are currently seated now belongs to the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor and the hilltop belongs to First Baptist Church Belton as we completed our contracts several months ago on the vote of the church which was nearly unanimous in our business conference. We now have eight and a half years remaining before we must vacate this location. So knowing that, if you've been hesitant to give or pledge because you wonder, are we really going to do this? The answer to that is yes. So please obey God, do what he tells you to do. Meanwhile, some very godly men and women are looking at every possible avenue and asking God to guide. Those men and women need your prayers and your support. We have a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to accomplish a God-sized task by God's power in establishing our headquarters for ministries and missions for generations to come. All the while, we remember who we are. And in keeping with the subject matter of the morning, we are a mission-focused church, and that will not change. So that's our statement for this morning on the hilltop. Please pray. And then a statement on parking, in particular, uh, our special needs ministry. Perhaps the most rapid, rapidly growing ministry in our church 
is our special needs ministry. And it is our desire to reach even more people in our community. One area focused to help this ministry grow and to meet the needs of families with special needs is parking. Most of our families with special needs need up-close parking or they require accessible parking. As a result, in the coming weeks, you will notice STARS, S-T-A-R-S-S, STARS only parking signs in parts of our north parking lot. When you arrive and are looking for a parking spot, please help us welcome and reach these families by not parking in the STARS only parking spots. We want to do all that we can to help eliminate challenges of getting into the building for our STARS members and their guests. If you have a need that requires close access parking and you're having trouble finding a spot, please call us, let us know. We'll work with you to make sure that that happens. Meanwhile, thank you for helping us and for being a church that cares for everyone, and you do that so beautifully, and I thank you for that. Now open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. The ninth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, in a moment we'll begin reading at verse 35. We are in our series on global missions, began January 26th, we'll end March the 1st. On January 26th, we had our introductory service, multilingual service, that helped us, I think, realize that the world has come to us. On February 2nd, we talked about the challenge of North America. And last Sunday, February 9th, we talked about the challenge of Texas. Today, the challenge of the world. We as a church have a lot on our plate. Um, and that is a true statement. But as we contemplate what God would have us to do in every area of our church life, I want us to remember the Great Commission that I read before I prayed. Remember to whom it was given. A very, 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 very small number of believers in Christ who lived in a world with no communication except to write a letter and to walk it halfway around the world or to put it on a boat and hope that it arrived eventually. Otherwise, there was no communication with the world. There was no rapid transportation and they were mostly poor. And yet through the power of the Holy Spirit, that small group of early believers turned the world upside down. And the promise that Jesus gave to them is the same promise Jesus has given to us. So Texas, yes, starting here. North America, yes, with our focus on the large cities called the Sind Cities, the world Yes, we are currently seeking an unengaged, unreached people group. We call them UUPG. We've adopted a group in South Asia. We are in East Asia. We are in Indonesia. We are in Uganda and Kenya and Moldova and Haiti and Panama. That is as a church. That's where we are. And so as I read this morning from Matthew chapter 9, I want us to think about where we go from here in the challenge of the world. So if you'll stand with me, we read just a few verses. Verse 35 of Matthew 9, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And that we do with great joy and enthusiasm. You may be seated. So I ask four questions in just a few moments. The first question is, what is the status of our world? What is the status of our world? There are, at this moment, 7.6 billion people living on planet Earth. Of those, 2.3 billion are Christians, or at least claim to be Christians. Now, you and I know there are some who claim to be Christians who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but there are 2.3 billion who claim to be Christians. 1.8 billion are Muslim. 1.1 billion are Hindus. 500 million are Buddhists. 400 million have some form of a folk religion. 14 million are Jews. And there are 100 million that are made up of various and sundry religions. And there are 1.2 billion who are nothing. 1.2 billion who are nothing. By 2050, which is 30 years from now, and some of you will still be here 30 years from now, Christians are projected to number 2.92 billion, and Muslims are projected to number 2.76 billion. So you do the math and see that currently there is about a half a billion more Christians than Muslims, but 30 years from now that will be down to about a 150 million gap between Christians and Muslims. It's very interesting when you think about the percent of Christians living on the continents of our world. In 1900, 68% of all Christians lived in Europe. 14% of all Christians lived in North America. So Europe and North America made up 82% of all Christians in the world. 11% of the Christians in the world lived in Latin America, 4% of the Christians in the world lived in Asia, and 2% of the Christians in the world lived in Africa. Today, 26% of the world's Christians live in Europe. 12% of the world's Christians live in North America. That means Europe and North America now make up 38% of the world's Christian population, as opposed to the former 82 Of all the Christians in the world, 24% live in Latin America. It was 11 in 1900. 15% of all the Christians in the world live in Asia. It was 4% in 1900. And 22% of all the Christians in the world live in Africa. It was 2% in 1900. That is astonishing. Part of that can be attributed to the great missionary movement that has gone for the last 120 years and continues to move forward. 61% now of today's Christians live in Latin America, Asia, or Africa. So as we've said from the pulpit before, the, 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 the heart of Christianity has shifted away from Europe a long time ago and now away from North America and it is now somewhere in the frame of Latin America, Asia and Africa. 
an astonishing change. When it comes to persecution, 80% of religious persecution in our world today is directed against Christians. 80%. So, yes, there are Muslims and Hindus and others, uh, certainly Jews, who are being persecuted, but 80% of the world's persecution religiously is against Christianity. I read an article this week from The Guardian, which is a publication in Britain, United Kingdom, and in it it says, pervasive persecution of Christians, sometimes amounting to genocide, is ongoing in parts of the Middle East and has prompted an exodus in the past two decades, according to a report commissioned by the British Foreign Secretary, Jeremy Hunt. Millions of Christians in the region have been uprooted from their homes, and many have been killed, kidnapped, imprisoned, and discriminated against, the report finds. It also highlights discrimination across South Asia, Sub-Saharan Africa, and East Asia, often driven by state authoritarianism. The inconvenient truth, the report finds, is that the overwhelming majority, 80%, of persecuted religious believers are Christians. Jeremy Hunt, an Anglican and a deeply committed Christian, is the one who has published this report. And in it, he says, what we have forgotten in this atmosphere of political correctness is actually the Christians that are being persecuted and how they are some of the poorest people on the planet. In the Middle East, the population of Christians used to be about 20%. Now it's 5%. We've all been asleep on the watch when it comes to the persecution of Christians. And by and large, it is not reported by the news media. I'm sure you are aware of that. Some of this is astonishing to you. And unless it's a major explosion or a major massacre on a day like Easter, you're not going to hear about it. But it goes on all the time. In the Middle East and North Africa, forms of persecution ranging from routine discrimination in education, employment, and social life up to genocidal attacks against Christian communities have led to a significant exodus of Christian believers from the region since the turn of the century in 2000. The population of Palestinian Christians has dropped from 15% to 2%. I remember 26 years ago when I made my first trip to the Holy Land, when we got to the city of, our, our group got to the city of Bethlehem, we stopped and the mayor of the city of Bethlehem got on our bus and welcomed us in the name of Jesus. He was a Christian and he asked if he could pray for us. And he did, and it was a sweet, moving prayer. And then he asked if he could sing for us the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. And we were delighted to let him do that. And it was a very moving moment. And at that moment, 50% of the population of Bethlehem was Christian. The other 50% was Muslim. Today, there are almost no Christians at all remaining in Bethlehem. That's what we see in the world today. And when we also look at the world, we see a dramatic rise in nuns. Now, I'm not talking about Catholic nuns. I'm talking about N-O-N-E-S, nuns. Even in our own continent of North America, here is the latest percentage. 23% of North America is Catholic. 
23% of North America is evangelical Christian. 11% of North America is mainline Protestant. 10% of North America is other, like um, uh, Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses or other, or, and, and Muslims and Hindus who live in North America. But the astonishing statistic is that today 23% of North Americans say none when it comes to the question, what religion are you? None. That's the same as Catholic. That's the same as evangelical Christian. And that number is rising. The first time this poll was taken was 1972. At that point in time, 5% of North Americans said none, no religion. Today, 23% say none, no religion. So as we think about that, I want to ask a second question, and that is, where are we? Where are we? We are Baptist, and we are First Baptist, Belton. So where are we? We're a Southern Baptist church. We affiliate voluntarily with other churches around in North America, and we call ourselves Southern Baptists. And as Southern Baptists, we support the International Mission Board that Veronica is part of and was talking about this morning. We also support as part of our budget what is called the Cooperative Program. Part of your budget, every time you give something, a little, well, a significant segment of that goes to the Cooperative Program. That amount is mailed off. And it goes, it's divided then between the International Mission Board, North American Mission Board, seminaries, and other institutions that Southern Baptists have. But the largest percentage of it goes to the International Mission Board. In addition to that, we have set as a goal for our global mission offering this year $275,000. And when we reach that goal, $137,500 of that will go to the International Mission Board. The rest will be decided divided between North American Mission Board, Texas Baptist, and our Harvest Fund that helps people to go on mission trips. As of January the 31st, Southern Baptist had 3,673 field missionaries. That is up from 3,672 or a a 54 rise in missionaries just since this book was printed and placed back there in the foyer, a rise of 54 missionaries under the auspices of the International Mission Board. Our missionaries work with 847 people groups. We used to divide it into countries. We don't really do that anymore because so many people groups overlap borders. So we talk in terms of people groups, and our missionaries are currently working with 847 different people groups. Last year, they won to Christ 77,605 new believers and 52,586 were baptized, 18,428 pastors were trained, and 13,898 churches were planted. You can find out all about it yourself by going online to imb.org, indiamikebravo.org. It's a fascinating website. It'll take you more than a day to go through it. So get a little bit today, then get back on there and look a little bit tomorrow. You'll be amazed and fascinated by what you see and understand that as you look, we, First Baptist Belton, you as a believer are part of all that. And I hope that will bring great joy to your heart. In addition, this year, we are going to places as a church carefully prayed over, studied, and chosen after discussion with our partners, our mission partners. South Asia, where the SEGA are, our unreached, unengaged people group. Well, they've been engaged now, and there are some who have been won to Christ. And what we hope next will be the planting of a church. That is our next goal, and we are moving toward that. Our first trip of the year was to the SEGA, 
And at 10 o'clock this morning, they will get on a plane to fly home. We'll arrive here sometime tomorrow. And I am excited about hearing from them. We have two more trips to that region, one in July and one in October. We have a trip to Indonesia in April, a trip to Moldova in June and another in July, a trip to Haiti in June, a trip to Kenya in July and Uganda in July. And if you're interested in any of those, please call Dr. Gish at the church as soon as you can. And if you've not yet picked up one of these books, I'll advertise it again free of charge right underneath the map in the foyer. And it will tell you everything you need to know about missions at First Baptist Church in Belton. So that leads to the third question. Who's responsible for all this? Who is responsible? We read the Great Commission. We read Matthew 9. Who's responsible? (laughs) We know the answer to that. Every believer in this room and collectively this church. We're responsible. As I said last week, it's good to come here on Sundays. Very good. Very good to come here on Sundays and worship and go to Sunday school and then to come and do it all over again next Sunday. Precious privilege that we have. But there's more to church than that. And part of the more is global missions. And remember, our objective in global missions is very simply to win people to Jesus Christ. That's our objective. Now, along the way, we'll do other things like we'll feed the hungry, we'll clothe people, and we'll educate people and, and things like that. But but don't ever lose sight of the fact that our objective is to win people to faith in Christ. So that leads me to the fourth and final question. How can we respond? How can we respond? First of all, pray. When you have your daily quiet time, pray for global missions. Look up imb.org, and they have more prayer requests on there than you can pray in a year. Look it up. You'll be, you'll be amazed. Pray through our mission book. Dr. Gish put a calendar in there to help you pray every single day of the year for some aspect of missions the part of our church. And then as you hear about our world and our culture, take it to the Lord in prayer. Second thing we can do is to give. As you give to the budget, a significant segment of that goes to the cooperative program that I talked about a moment ago. It go, goes to our mission work and then our global mission offering that you are giving all year long will Help us to do these things that are in the book and that we've talked about this morning. This global mission offering going all year was, uh, I, I don't know why we didn't think of this earlier. I'll tell you what it's done for me. You know, like most of you, I'm used to giving in March for Annie Armstrong North American missions. I'm used to giving in September for Texas Baptist missions and Mary Hill Davis. And I'm used to giving in December for Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And in those three months, we carefully look, we pray, what God, what can we do? We give as much as we feel we can do what the Lord leads us to do. But I looked at this thing, and what we decided to do is we're going to give some every Sunday throughout the year. That's what the Global Mission Offering can allow you to do, give a little bit every Sunday. And I added up 
what we have given over the last couple of years doing it the old way as to opposed to what we will do by giving a little bit every Sunday and we will more than double our gifts to missions, our family will, by doing it this way. So that doesn't mean you're going to do that, but it's exactly what I hope you'll do, that you will choose to reflect and pray and, and see what God would have you to do in the realm of missions. So give. The third thing we can do is to have open hearts. Open hearts. I was reading also this week on the IMB site, about their commissioning service for missionaries a few weeks ago. And they they highlighted several. One couple is David and Zoe Lee. They are were commissioned. And here's what they said. Many missionaries came to our country of birth, which was Korea, and laid down their lives for our people. We would not be able to stand here without their obedience to God's call. Now, this couple has come to America, and they're being commissioned to go as missionaries. Zoe said, 20 years ago, I never imagined sharing the gospel with people from other cultures. But in the past 10 years here in America, I've shared the gospel of Christ with 30 different people groups in our own nation. I've learned it's the power of God that works in us and through us. And they are part of Wedgwood Baptist Church in Fort Worth, and they are on their way to sub-Saharan Africa to serve in Madagascar. Bless them. And then I read about Jason Davis. We're not related as far as I know. But his father had a job that required the family to travel all over the world. So he spent his entire life traveling all over the world, seeing his parents' love for the gospel and developing a love for the gospel himself. He said, I've traveled to the jungles of Southeast Asia on short-term mission trips with my church in Kentucky, and I've spent five years in the urban cities of Europe where I saw lostness and a lack of gospel presence. And he has now been assigned by the International Mission Board to Europe to reach Italian people who live not just in Italy but all over Europe. And then one other couple, and I love their spunk, John and Patricia Gordy served for 34 years in another country with the International Mission Board. They came back home, and uh, she worked as a geriatric registered nurse, and he took a position with the Baptist Convention of North Carolina. And they built the first home that they'd ever been able to build. And they said, we loved our jobs, but as time went forward, we knew God was calling us to go back to the mission field. So after 34 years overseas, a little time in America, they are now going back again, and they have been assigned to sub-Saharan Africa And their church is in North Carolina. So the president of the convention, Paul Chitwood, said to the group gathered for the commissioning, look around the room. You are a part of a sending people, families, sending families who have committed their lives to take the name of Jesus to the nations and proclaim that there is salvation in no other name. Missionaries, look around the room. You're surrounded by churches who love you. They covenant together at this moment to pray for you. And then Chitwood said, isn't this awesome? And I would say, yes, it is awesome. And so I ask you, church, to have open hearts and make it personal. What does God want you to do beyond praying and giving? And I believe he wants all of us to do those two things. But what does he want you to do beyond that? Could it be, for some of you, it would be to go on one of these mission trips this year or next year? Or if you can't, 
for you to individually help a couple or a family or, or someone who is planning to go? Or could it be that God has a call on your life for missions as a life calling? I know that you're proud to know that we have a host of folks who have grown up in this church or who have been part of this church while students at the University of Mary Herman Baylor. And they are now literally all over the world serving in missions. And we're very grateful to have, to have had just a, a little part of that. And so in the next service where most of our younger people are, I'm going to make an appeal to our youth and our college students, our young adults to consider what God might have you to do in missions, single adults, married adults. Sometimes we think, well, the only thing you can do is preach. And I mean, if you're not a preacher, you can't go to the mission field. <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. Yes, we have, we need preachers on the mission field, but we also need business people. We need ag- agriculturalists. We need engineers. We need medical people. We need teachers and educators. For our convention, our mission board has all kinds of things that our missionaries can do and are needed to do. I've talked to couples before who are in the middle of a midlife change. And though they've been here till their mid-40s or even 50, decided God's called us to go. And so in the middle of their lives, they go. And then seniors, if your health is still good, explore avenues with imb.org. Because God might have you to go somewhere to help our missionaries who are there for a year or two, and you could do that. So I'm asking that we have open hearts to God's call. The last thing is to pay attention. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Look around you, and you don't have to look far in Bell County. Reach out to those around you from other cultures knowing that many of them, if not most of them, will go back to the places from which they came. Will they go back as Christ followers when their student visa is up or their work visa is up, they no longer can stay here. Will they go back as Christ followers? Will they go back at least, at least having heard about Jesus and our trusting that that message will someday come to fruition in their hearts. And as you hear the news, pray for the nations of the world. Certainly right now, we know what's going on in China with the coronavirus, and we can pray about that. And then we can pray for the persecuted church, our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering intensely. And so I simply ask today for you as an individual, for us as a church, how can we respond To the call to missions, pray, give, have an open heart, and pay attention to what's going on around you and around the world. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing our hymn of invitation. There's someone in this room today whose need is to repent and be saved. To ask God to forgive you of your sins and to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's probably already been speaking to you before you ever entered this room this morning. And you know, I need to repent and give my life to Jesus. And so in a moment, I'll be standing right down there. We'll be singing. I invite you to leave your seat wherever you are. Place your hand in mine and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. 
And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you and open God's word and share with you. These steps are always open for you to come and kneel in prayer. And there may be some who will come today and pray about specifically about missions. And maybe it's personal. Maybe God is speaking to you and you're struggling with that call upon your own life. Come and pray or tell me and I'll pray for you. Or maybe there's someone here today who would say, Pastor, I know I'm going to the mission field and, and I, and I just realized I've not told my church and I need to tell my church that God's called me to missions because I want you to pray for me. And we'll be absolutely thrilled to do that. Father, thank you for the privilege that's ours of carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. What an astonishing thing you have entrusted to sinners like us. And we thank you for the great promise that every step of the way you will be with us. So, Father, I pray that our church and us as individuals will pray that we will give that we will be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, have sensitive hearts, and that we will pay attention to all those things that are going around us, that the name of Jesus might be exalted, and that people here and around the world would come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. In his name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come now as we stand and as we sing. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or need to talk with someone. We're here to listen, help, and encourage.